So I'm here with Peter Cosmatartos, who is the Chief Executive of the Commercial Real Estate Finance Council Europe, CREFSI Europe, which represents all sorts of lenders and financial institutions that are interested in the commercial real estate sector. And Rory O'Hagan, who is a director at Sale Architecture, and who leads a lot of a sales work in creating off-site developments, modular housing, and, and any other acronym you want to throw at that. DFMA, is, there's quite a few, isn't there, Rory, in, in terms of OSM, off-site manufacturing. It's a whole heap of... Alphabet soup. Of, 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 it's a whole, yeah, it's a, it's a whole bingo of, of different phrases. But broadly, what we're talking about here is, is building stuff in factories a bit like... Ford have been doing for decades with, with automobiles. That, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? It's, it's building stuff in factories rather than in a wet, soggy field uh, with loads of brickies. Um, and, and, and where are we at with that? Because obviously a lot of people still see this as prefab, which is largely a negative term. How, how is it different now? Uh, it's it's definitely not the post-war prefabs that people might have in their mind's eye. Uh, we're talking about precision manufactured homes uh, built in controlled uh, indoor environments, uh, delivered to site, uh, minimizing time on site, increasing quality. Uh, our investment clients, investor clients love it because it reduces the uh, time on site. Uh, and that's the crucial thing, isn't it? Because if you're building something for investment purposes, if you're, if you're building something for rent and you want, you want to be collecting that income as quickly as possible. So if you can save 50% of the program time, the time that you're building the development, that means you get your income quicker, your debt is cheaper and, and everyone's happier because the tenants are in. A bit earlier on, and that's you know that's presumably why you know you guys at Sale are working with companies like Legal and General, mm-hmm. with Essential Living to deliver a number of, of, of big schemes like that, and you're obviously working on a number of other exciting build to rent schemes such as the new Prosperity one in, in in Manchester. But but broadly speaking, people like the fact that it's quicker and that it's more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just on the rental model, uh, you know, when we make the case to planners, it's about uh, activating um, neighborhoods. Uh, and if we can do it using this technology and do it quicker, that's that's a win-win for everybody. And, and Peter Cosmatato, so what's the problem? It sounds like a really rosy uh, uh, setup, but but, it, but a lot of the, the companies that you represent, which include high street banks, debt funds, and alternative lenders, some of those guys aren't quite so happy with with the setup why is that no, you're right so so there are those who recognize modular and off-site from the bathroom pods you'll get in a lot of hotels for example even some of the some of the construction methods used by the likes of british land on on the uh, cheese grater for example which was much more off-site assembly bring it in drop it on much less uh, requirement for people on site and quicker assembly on site which is good for Good for costs, good for good for timing of delivery, good for health and safety, um, and there are some lenders who are getting comfortable with that relatively quickly on the built-to-rent side on housing as well. The problem that most people, or that some people still haven't really worked through, is that this is relatively early days still, and when you're developing entire units or the whole structure is dependent on whole units slotting in, which are pre pre-built off-site. Um, 
you are dependent on a particular manufacturer of those units to be able to complete construction. And what lenders worry about is construction risk. Having a half-built development is, is their nightmare, and that's what they want to avoid. So they worry about the, develop, the producer, the factory that's making the units, that's making, do, doing the off-site uh, construction, going bust. And, and so and the point now is, is that with traditional construction, if a company goes bust, obviously we've seen companies like Carillion and InterServe in, in the spotlight over the last few months – if a traditional construction business goes bust, you simply hire another one, you ship in the brickies, and they continue the job. But you're saying that the risk that the banks see with modular construction is that because the technology isn't necessarily the same between company and other company, you can't do that. Exactly, exactly. And, and actually, it's worth noting the risks associated with the traditional model, right? Because, um, you know, costs can vary. Um, you can have shortages in the supply of skilled labour, um, so you don't have a problem in terms of what it is that you need people to do, but the cost and the challenge of finding the people and getting them on site, sticking to timetables, avoiding cost overruns and, and all the rest of it um, is real. And in many ways, modular can address all of that and can sweep all of that away. But the problem that you have is exactly what you said. You've got different producers, not necessarily working to industry standards in terms of how things slot together, how precisely how the measurement works, how, how the different materials fit together. And, and, and until we've got a degree of standardization, degree of consistency in the industry, um, that, that question of what do you do when someone goes bust, you can't just bring in skilled labor. Yeah, you need the actual factory. That that is a problem that will that will persist. And, and Rory O'Hagan. So I mean, we have seen companies, big big high street lenders like RBS and HSBC are two of the names that have lent money to, to some modular schemes. You've obviously got LNG planning its own facility. Uh, I mean, from your perspective, what are some of the solutions to what Peter Cosmatasus has raised in terms of his members, some of the banks being uncertain around this? How, how do you get around the problem of companies being able to step in and, and deal with somebody going bust? What, what, are, what are some of the, the, the things that you can do? Uh, I would draw a parallel with uh, the development of ISO containerization after the Second World War, which, which underpinned an explosion in global trade. And that was about developing a common language, common connections, common sizes we can do that for housing we, we've got a handful of suppliers in this country who are doing uh, maybe a thousand two thousand um, homes a year but they're operating in silos they've got their own uh, connections to be fair the connections really aren't that different if, if we work together as a, in a sector we can ramp up output significantly and everybody wins and so we need to take a shipping container approach to housing if we were saying by standard sizes platform developing a, pl a platform that everybody understands in terms of how uh, one company's uh, product might interoperate with another product that allays some of these issues about uh, companies going bust. But doesn't that mean everything looks the same? And nobody wants to live in the same house as, as the next guys. I mean, what is you, what you're suggesting sounds like uh, the outcome's going to be everyone living in the same process. No, it's, it's, it's a bit boring, it, isn't it? It's, it's more about where the modules meet, the connection details. That, that would be the kind of differentiator. It's like the chassis of a car, that's what you mean. Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, Volkswagen, their MEB platform, they, they use uh, one chassis for like multiple brands, uh, a handful of components for uh, all the models within that range. It's about controlling uh, a small number of components to generate great variety and different price points. And, and and Peter Cosmatasus, one of the one of the the legal routes, and, and obviously you're for people listening to this podcast, uh, uh, a previous partner, a, a large law firm, not a partner, 
uh, well, you know, you should have been a partner. Sorry, um, but but you've got a big legal mind, is what I mean. And and so that so and a lot of what you do day to day in terms of advising and working with regulation in in the financial markets and in and in banking comes a lot, obviously, down to managing risk. And and in terms of the way that the lenders are managing risk with some of these modular schemes is by agreeing contracts that give them step in rights, which means that a lender can come in or a developer can can take control of the the supplier's factory if that supplier goes bust. And those are the sorts of things that, that seem to be doing the trick in terms of soothing some of the the, the ills that, that you've addressed. Yeah, that's certainly one, one solution that I've heard about. Clearly, that only works when you've got a factory that is only working on one big contract at a time, at least. So you can take security over that whole plant for the duration of the contract that you need access uh, to its machinery and, and production. So that, that does work. I have to say, I, I very much agree with the comment earlier uh, in, in terms of all the buildings looking the same. You know, what you care about with your home is it's the cladding, it's what it looks like from the outside, and it's how you configure it on the inside. And, so actually, and you're, you're comfortable the with an open-source approach to, to the yeah, inside I, I, construction. I don't see why it would be problematic. I think what I'm uncomfortable with is with my Victorian semi-detached uh, house um, having walls that leak... Uh, gaps that don't, you know, gaps that remain, whatever you Was do. Was it designed by a sale? Do you need to ask for your money back? Is this what you're saying? <laughs> I'm not sure whether you've been been around long enough. No, it's it was probably about 120 years old. But, you know, I, I think the, the, the precision manufacturing and the benefits that Modular can bring are absolutely... Uh, worth looking at and they sound like they should be the worth the, the way forward both for speed of delivery and for quality of delivery and we just need to work through some of these teething challenges in the early stages of, of development of this new market and, and presumably for your for your members the the, the lenders the debt funds the, the investors they would be comfortable with, with these kind of products because as you say they're potentially better quality um i think the only challenge is uh i mean clearly you've got an underlying question right which is our investors, the equity investors, the developers going to build this stuff and are people going to want to live in it? Provided the investors believe it's worth doing until and unless it, they prove to be unpopular with, with tenants, with occupiers, um, that isn't a problem. So the only challenge is dealing with the construction risk and the, the, the risk that a factory goes bust, a producer goes bust. I think people should be able to get comfortable with that. And I think um, a, a degree of uh, standardization in terms of how components fit together um, and s- some of the probably pretty technical specifications around that um, would probably be a big step forward in, in, on, on that. And, and, and I, I don't see why it should be a fundamental problem beyond that. Excellent. Well, look, thank you very much, Peter Cosmos Hartos and Rory O'Hagan.